Welcome to Front Row Geeks. By the way, have you noticed that I've been putting them on YouTube, too? I've been a lot better about that. Oh. Uh, they are on YouTube for anyone who likes that or needs that, wants it. It's on YouTube, which is just a nice graphic. Go look it up. I, I used my, my excellent abilities in PowerPoint to create that graphic for us. <laughs> so, appreciate it. I'm Eddie, Baron 5X, joined by David Asher and MPX. We are going to go through the week in... Review. Nerdy news... All the good stuff you like, and all the shit we've been up. <laughs> oh, or we'll try, or we'll die trying. One or the other. So before I start, today's episode is kind of sponsored, guys. We actually have a sponsorship. Kind of. Oh, Please boy. tell me it's not Raid Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Amcrest. Amcrest gave me a camera. And I'm oh. Testing oh. It. I, I started. I started using it last week. I didn't mention it because oh. I wanted to give it a shot, but I'm be using it again, and it's a good camera. And it was thirty bucks. Okay. And it works just peachy. So I at, think Michael mentioned about that, and he applied. I'm not sure if he got a response from it or not. They they replied to me, and they let me have a camera, and I'll and then I'll probably I have to I think I have to write something up for him as well as mention mm-hmm. it here. Well, I don't think I had to mention it here. I think I told him that was a bonus that I was going to do yeah. anyway. But but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll need to give them a a more thorough review, but. Works like a chair. Yeah. And really, in this day and age, the other thing I really like is it has a it has a camera cover. This one. Oh, it has a security cover. Yeah, because the other one, the one I was using before, great, it was great, but it didn't have that security cover. So I would have to like unmount it all the time, you know, just to you know to be safe. You know how things mm-hmm. are these days. But now this one has a cover, so I don't have to unmount it anymore. It just stays there forever now. Unless I you're supposed to know to just have one. I suppose I could have done that too. That would have looked tacky. This doesn't look tacky. So, so <laughs> yeah, but how many it. people are coming to look at your setup? Um, well, just me these days. <laughs> I guess that's a point. I don't like it, okay? Okay. I didn't want it to be tacky for my sake. And sometimes you just got to do something for yourself. Treat yourself. So treat yourself with an Amcrest. Okay, so there we go. I did that little plug. And it was a worthwhile one, if I do say so myself. That being I said... See. Let's go ahead and talk about the stuff that we didn't get to last week, which basically is the one thing I didn't get to last week that we promised we would get back to this time. That's Genshin Impact. The okay. game everybody's talking about. Have you two played this at all? I've played no. like five, ten minutes of it. Okay. And so I don't have a full like view of the game itself because I haven't even gotten to the gotcha aspect of the game. Okay, I have. And it's a gotcha game. Let's start that off the bat. I think it's worthwhile. This is a gotcha game. Granted, this mm-hmm. might be the most well-done gotcha. I mean, I, I mean, I want to give it that qualifier, but I know there's a lot of, you know, that qualifier has a lot of asterisks to it. Yeah. So well, maybe well, I should even say that. From one thing which I have observed about the gotcha, supposedly uh, whenever they have a rate up on certain characters, they also happen to have a refund policy of or not a refund, but uh, essentially that a guaranteed drop if you put so much money in. Mm-hmm. So even if you start whaling, you will get a guaranteed, you know, character of that. 
Yeah, yeah. Like the the Tales of Crystoria game that I play has the same thing too. If you yeah, if you if you buy you know summons you know in units of ten once more, most of the summon selections will guarantee you a a, a somewhat high level character. Well, so I think that's a pretty guaranteed pretty drop essentially. Yeah. And yeah. I have seen that in other gacha style games. Uh, the only no. difference here is, is with the Genshin Impact, uh, the gacha is getting new characters. So yeah. I have seen people agonize also over some people's luck and some people's non-luck. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've like seen, yeah I, I've seen some people say like, oh, hey, they improved the drop rate. Oh, so it's like guaranteed drop from like spending $400 down to $200. And with the caption of dot dot dot. I mean, yeah, I, I understand that example, but to, uh, to give it actually, credit... how well is your uh, roster doing? Like, completion rate, any particular characters that you've actually enjoyed and gotten? I mean, I, I've played about, I'm about four hours deep into the game. Okay. And, like, I'm happy with my roster, but I haven't countered anything that requires me to be beefed up, really. Like, my main character usually handles everything pretty easily, and, uh, mm-hmm. like... A lot of so the game has has these items that you used to love your character again, just like almost any other gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I've been avoiding using them just because I wanted to get familiar with the game and the characters and my preferences before I start leveling up random characters. So mm-hmm. so I haven't done a lot of that yet. But even with, with the leveling up, I have been doing my my main seems to handle everything fine at this point. I'm not cha- I'm not to a point where I'm overly challenged mm-hmm. yet, which yeah. is fine. But that gives me a lot more appreciation for everything else that I've been able to do in the game. Like like for one thing, the the Breath of the Wild clone kind of uh, moniker it gets, I think is well warranted, but like the worst, definitely not in the worst way. All that stuff it incorporates is a lot of fun. Um, and actually kind of just like going off of what you were saying, David, about like how they are kind of generous with the, instead of spending $400, you spend $200. I think <laughs> the game overall is pretty generous. This is a really fleshed well, out game with a gotcha mechanic. Well, that's the thing is like uh, the developers, MiHoYo, uh, this is not their first gacha game. And well, they did do Honkai Impact. Which, a lot of people still like Honkai Impact, because a, like, most of the people that, uh, have been ranting and raving found out that, like, Honkai Impact, the, the third, is actually, by its own right, still a good game, with its own gacha mechanic. Kind of similar to, uh, Genshin Impact. It's just a factor that, um, what was that? I thought my mic was muted, huh? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was trying to cough. Ah, but good job. Mike, no, for like being muted. Jeez. But uh, I've seen a lot of people say that, like, technically, like Mihoyo could have just made a game and not include the gotcha side, and it probably would have still been amazing, and people might have per- uh, gone and purchased it. Actually, that's probably the best thing we should probably talk about for Genshin Impact: the actual gameplay, because I have heard some criticism on it. So I don't mm-hmm. know whether four hours is enough to actually state whether the gameplay is good because from what i've heard don't look at me i've only played like five ten minutes the two major well i guess i'll even give it three three major things that i've been able to experience i think for for sure or at least to a decent degree the first combat which i think the combat does really Mm -hmm. really well i think it's it's not overtly complicated you got like an attack a charged up attack different two different spells depending on how you're suited up or your character modded out or whatever you want to call that mm-hmm. so like those work just really fine it's in too crazy i actually again not again not to make the birth of the wild comparison but i think they do a lot with, with a little um 
Another thing that yeah. it, that seems kind of stolen from Breath of the Wild is the, the paraglider kind of thing they got going on. So you got wings yeah. in this game, and they work pretty similarly. I think they're a little rough controls, but they work pretty similarly once you get Yeah. And that's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I did a whole quest line with that. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then the climbing yeah. mechanic is also another thing ripped from Breath of the Wild that works just, just fine how you would expect it if you liked it in Breath of the Wild. It's pretty likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of like world exploration too. Like they really open up the world, and the worlds are pretty big so far. And you get yeah. there's a lot to do in them, and a lot to explore, a lot to look for, a lot to run around. And I mean, it's just fun running around, honestly. Yeah, so I... yeah, sad to say, I I've only played like five ten. Essentially, the tutorial where you get to the first anima statue, mm-hmm. and that's where I just kind of dropped off for a moment to try, and haven't picked it back up. Most because of fact, the other reason, not going to mention here, because sure, yeah. No. <laughs> uh... But I've heard, like, in the end game, uh, combat loop, or, like, the optimal strategy is very boring, per se, and how it's set up. Like, essentially, you're doing the exact same thing every fight. And I'm not saying, like, press the attack button and things like that. I'm saying, like, it's the exact same, you know, button, the exact same strategy, the exact same thing, regardless of what the fight is. Okay. And yeah, and I haven't been to Endgame, obviously, so that there might be a, a lot to that. But I have heard that they are supposedly addressing it, so it might change. I mean, I think a lot of the criticisms I might have for this game are tempered with the fact that it's free. This is a pretty robust game to also be free with a gotcha mechanic, which again, you know, is optional. I haven't spent any money on the game. I might, yeah. maybe I should just for the you know generosity's sake, but I, I'm not forced to, and I'm getting a lot out of paying absolutely nothing. Well, I think that's always been one of the reasons why people have uh, gone to the free-to-play model is just simply because of supposed uh, you know guilt of playing a free-to-play game without paying anything, especially enjoy it. You to almost guilt you into saying, well, maybe you should spend some money on. It. I mean, I'm sure it has plenty of, of whales. This this game, the quality of this game showing at this point. I'm sure there's plenty of people who got hooked. I, I, yeah. I've seen lesser games make break break the bank. <laughs> and this yeah. is not a lesser game. Then again, I have heard criticism that the very fact that it's being deemed a success may, you know, influence how games are constructed further. Like, we're never going to get away from, say, microtransactions and uh, gotcha mechanics going on since, you know, success of Genshin Impact or other things. None of the law and legislation yeah. is really going to get in the way of people in a bit more money. That's true. And, and, and especially if they can tax and, that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, yeah, I think I see your point. There is definitely going to be an incentive to copy this. Like, yeah, why wouldn't people try to copy this down to the mechanics of getting money from us um i mean i don't know i mean on one hand we we haven't seen the whole industry turn to this other than yeah macro transactions are now a thing well sure. i think it's because that some of the industry is far more interested in certain as other aspects such as most of the independent part of the industry is <laughs> really interested in their own thing like if, you know what if we didn't have so much other things to talk about this subject this could almost be a perfect segue to another topic we're going to get to in a little bit but we'll hold off on that well yeah i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the idea is that uh, obviously the mainstream is unfortunately getting worse in a sense of not really exploring other be options. Impacted by this? Ah, uh, maybe. <laughs> Considering that the gaming industry is probably the only industry, major entertainment industry, which hasn't been interrupted by COVID yet. I think there's a yet in the beast. No, I think it's been pretty good. I mean, even with the new consoles coming out, uh, I think people will still wait in line. In a store, even possible, you know, 
dangers of COVID or dealing yeah. with lockdowns and the such. And even if there is a strong lockdown in their city or state uh, or country, okay. they can still, you know, deliver it. Okay. It's I, not you, all that you might be Maybe you're talking about the consumer side. I was thinking more to the development side. Yeah, development side seems fine comparatively. Comparatively, but I think that's because a lot of what we're seeing still released was already kind well, of at the end of their life cycle. I wonder how games are doing that are in the beginning or the middle of developments. I don't think it's that much of a problem. First of all, I think most independent studios, especially the very tiny ones, already operate very similarly to the sort of remote uh, uh, office that has become the norm for a lot of people. And for larger studios, I think, uh, well, as far as I know, Blizzard still operates outside of, in its headquarters. Presume that to the same of most other major companies. They probably have their own, you know, internal COVID uh, restrictions and uh, formalities. Probably wearing masks, social distance. It's pretty easy to social distance if everybody's in cubicles and such. Uh, yeah. Especially since that's already essentially a barrier to prevent, you know, spreading. So. Yeah, it's only a problem if they're doing sort of open cubicles like you would have in Japan, Japanese offices and such. I mean, I can tell there's plenty of places in the United States that adopted the open workspace. My company did this last year. Yeah, the open office. And my company did last year. And God, that's probably going to change once by the time we get back. Yeah, enjoy all the plexiglass barriers. Makes you feel like you're in the food court. Yeah, Mm, food court. And like Uh, the only thing I can mention about my office is they're they're basically trying to tell everybody to stay at home, but if you have to come into the office, uh, you're going to have to find a cubicle that's roughly like two cubicles away if anybody is el- else is in the mm-hmm. area. And they literally mean like two full cubicles away at a minimum. Yeah, at a minimum. Well, so, how close are the cubicles to each other? Like three feet? Uh, most of them are back to back. So it's one of those situations where like, if you're, uh, like there is kind of a, bar- uh, like it's set up in this like, paired pool section so it's like kind of like corner cubicles except the problem is they're all conjoined yeah and so it's like okay now i know understand what you're saying this is that essentially each cubicle essentially only has a v-shaped desk and two people are in one cubicle section yeah okay. so basically you you have to move like seats away i should say if you're going to be at the office otherwise no they're going to keep us uh, working remote, which eh. is irritating for you. It's annoying, but I have to deal with it. I'm, we're supposed to be remote until at least January. We were that was the minimum that my company decided on. But I, I, at this point, I don't. I don't even know if January is going to be held to. It might be well, extended. there's always a question of whether or not you know the company decides that uh, the standard is now the new norm and is going to try to minimize their office spaces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but then our then cubicles again, are separated if, by big whiteboards. Like that, I have rolling whiteboards as, as my cube cube wall. It's not even really a cube. It's just it's a desk with two with whiteboards. Yeah, side but by what side. happens when OSHA gets involved <laughs> and starts saying that this isn't a proper barrier? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that it's going to have to. They're going to be forced to restructure everything. Imagine yeah. just put them back to the same setup. Well, not immediately, anyway. Yeah. So there was but, your co- the COVID talk. <laughs> well, you can't really escape from it in yeah. a sense, but. Uh, the problem is with the other entertainment industries, there is a heavy for in-person work. Like you can't film on location without people being on location. Yeah. And uh, other such things. I mean, there's the entire problem with theaters currently. Yep. And uh, that they're getting very desperate in a sense. Yeah, there's already rumors of a few closing. Uh, it's not a rumors of a few closing. It's rumors of major chains starting to 
buckle down underneath the pressure. I think AMC, one of the big ones, have been talking about it the last couple of weeks. Well, they've parking. been talking about the problems that they're having, but uh, one of them, uh, Regal Cinemas, mm-hmm. is actually declaring bankruptcy. Yeah, there we go. That's the one I would for for them. Yeah, of course, they're now offering, you know, uh, cheap uh, deals on when you rent out an entire theater space. <laughs> yeah, let's go do that. <laughs> Just actually, I was wondering again. whether you wanted to go out and see uh, the Monster Hunter movie or any other movie coming out. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, my, my 4K TV has been working really well these days. <laughs> Thank God it made Anyway, uh, anything else on Genshin Impact? We ended up going off topic. I think just final thing I would say is that it's worth a try. It's free for sure, so even that alone might be worth worth a try. But it seems like it's yeah. a lot of fun. Well, I'll mm-hmm. have to play it again sometime soon. There's a lot of other things to play these days, but I'll give it another shot pretty how far it goes. I'll give an update once a worthy one. To- yeah, or at least until you get to a point where you can give a much more uh, detailed appropriation of stuff. Uh, how is the story so far, actually? Because as it's, far as I can tell, it's a generic sort of anime style, you know, save the world plot. Yeah, it, it's on par with what you would expect for something like this. It, okay. it, it has it has the potential for some pretty grand stuff, but it's all the very beginning stuff at this. Like, if if there's something deeper in the surface, it's almost too early in the game to really to really get that far. It's all okay. set up. At this. So uh, something that's worth transitioning to, since we're, we're talking about monetization games, that I think we had to okay. talk about the, the NBA 2K20 games uh, or 2K21. I forget what the latest one. Uh, I, I, 2K21 is the latest one because it okay. is out. We could just simply say EA because so far we've had one for uh, the uh, MMA uh, like a month ago. Oh, that's right. And now we have NBA 2K20. Does it really matter? No, because I think both of them are doing it. I mean, there was also the fact that the EA just simply ported one of the old versions of like 2K17 or 18 to the Switch and declared it 2K20 or, you know, like they did beforehand with the Wii U. Like, here's the story, just so we get that foundation put together. Yeah. As of this week, or even I think maybe in late last week, the NBA game as published by 2K Games. Yeah, it's 2K. Sorry, did we say EA before? No, this is 2K. Yeah. It's in 2K. 2K underneath EA in this case. Double checking. I'm freaking double checking here. <laughs> because anyway, the 2K20 they, is the 2K is for the year of release. Yeah, and I thought, uh, uh, developer but, visual. Uh, nope, it's publisher 2K. Yes, okay, thank you. <laughs> it was like what? I was pretty sure. <laughs> uh, well, okay. it wouldn't be out of place for EA. So anyway, yeah, exactly. The point is, is that in the game, like during loading screens or for whatever transition they they feel is worthy to have a loading screen in. The game is putting actual ads into the game, into your live internet ads. It's worse than that. They are unskippable. Yeah. And they actually uh, will prevent you using options that they built into the game. Ow. Like if the ad is playing uh, originally while it was loading the game, you could go in and manage your players or do something while you're waiting for it to load. If it's playing the ad, you can't do that. Secondly, it will autoplay the ad regardless of how fast your computer loads it. So if you're on an SS and you're trying to play the game and you know it loads up within seconds, you still have to wait for the full ad to play out. Oh yeah. So I mean it's pretty bad. They dress it up as like it's part of the NBA viewing experience, but that's about it. Everything else is they're literally playing you a fucking ad in a game you paid full price for. Like this kind of shit is like mobile game territory, which I think people understand why maybe that happens in mobile games. Again, a lot of them are free. But well, yeah, but there's a big difference when you can, you know, choose to watch an ad 
to gain some leverage in the mobile game versus being forced to watch the ad in your full price title game. And this is on the heels that I think 2K is all but promised that the next release of this game is going to be $70. They're going to sell it at $70. So now now we have the reality where 2K games think they can get away with charging people $70 for a game and having unskippable ads. Yeah. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, But they quickly reversed it and said oh no this was not our intention it was an accident or something no well what they did was that we're, we're sorry that we didn't give people had it we didn't tell people ahead of time because what it was is that when the game first released even the review copies and the initial release that wasn't in there that was patched well, yeah. in or, or switched on later after people had already mm-hmm. bought the game after people had already reviewed the game you know after scores were already drawn and then yeah. this obviously unanticipated unpopular feature was added yeah. well now of course things blow up and now they're going well i guess we should have told you guys before we did it or we should have warned you ahead of time oh, yeah. uh, it makes me wonder if they're doing this well they're probably not already had this feature probably planned in the wings probably when they started development last year or something i actually I, don't I, I know think... what is the development cycle on sports title i mean they're yearly of course i mean well, well yeah I... but is it like similar to how they do call of duty where they have like three teams cycle through things so they at least yeah. have enough time to build the next game or is it because they pretty much use the old code in the new game and just simply do sort of a generational update and upgrade like every three to four years or whenever a new assets, console breaks. I think the acid reuse hints at, I think it's a lot of like limited life cycle or development. Cycle. I don't know. The assets are probably the thing that don't use the most. They probably update the assets every year. That's because, been a criticism you know, in the past though that they haven't. Well, I'm not saying the assets. I'm saying the code. Oh, okay. The code. Well, the code I can understand, like your engine stuff like that is one thing. Yeah, but when you end up having code that was in the game like 20 years ago still being used actively because you can't bother to clean things up or your game is still heavily buggy because it's almost worse than Bethesda because it's so much spaghetti code. A lot of people who do deep dives in these games say that oftentimes bugs that appeared in the previous generation of the game or the previous year of the game We'll come back. We'll come back in in the new game. Like, hey, we mm-hmm. told you this bug existed before, and apparently nobody bothered to fix it between last year and this one. And I, mm-hmm. I think the two K games are pretty notorious for having that same thing happen. Yeah. Well, it's the fact that they never. St- it's sort of the reason why the uh, wrestling game uh, a year ago was so bad was because it was essentially farmed out to a studio that only had like six months to try to mm-hmm. cobble together a game. And even when you were using the old code, maybe it was sort of garbage anyway. So it's I think the reality is, is they need to at least assign a team to get ahead and try to make the new generation at least something better. At least start a new, you know, uh, uh, edition. I forget the exact uh, terminology for coding. Essentially, yeah. I mean, that cleans up the code and tries to start on a new foot to guarantee everything's on the up and up. But so, yeah, but, I mean, the only the only terrible thing about that is that she shows that they're not very willing to do that because this is well, the first... it probably costs a lot of money to actually spend the to time to develop the code like that when you don't see immediate results. Certainly, like I'm not gonna like disparage the developers on this. Like I'm sure there's a difficulty developing the game, but. But on the other Especially hand, since like, they're probably under the constraints of always having to release, you know, yearly. So they always have a hard, you know, release mm-hmm. schedule. But consumers aren't obligated to to, to deal with this. Yeah. 
that's the thing. Like, I I definitely can be empathetic to the developer situation. It's hard to you... be empathetic to the publisher when they're constantly yeah. screwing around with that. Actually, that was an interesting thing that showed up today. Hmm. Uh, have you ever heard of a game called Rune Two? Rune Two. Yes. I have not. I almost thought you I almost thought you meant RuneScape for a second there. No. <laughs> uh, it was supposed to be a uh, developed by Human Head Studios. It was supposed to be a Skyrim killer app. Something very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it ended up getting into some controversy and some lawsuits. Essentially, it sounds like uh, Bethesda might have done some questionable things with developers. So they could uh, steal the talent. Oh. Yeah. Bethesda, I, admittedly, I'm going off of some very vague recollection because I wasn't paying too hard to the story. So forgive me if I'm misremembering certain details. Okay, people? Yeah, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. But the thing was, is that Human Head Studios, uh, I forget they they did enter a contract. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were responsible for the original Prey 2 when it was still following the uh, Native American character on an alien world. Supposedly, the game actually almost ready to go gold. Oh, but Bethesda kept on delaying their final, you know, uh, testing and approval. And kept on, you know, adding things and more and more things just to prevent them from really getting to release. To essentially starve them of cash by stating, oh, you need more features. Oh, you need this better. Oh, we've changed the design document and now you need to add multiplayer or something ridiculous like that. Essentially constantly moving the goalpost around. So and, they wow. could never actually finish the game properly, technically. So they would starve them from cash. And like this actually led up to a strike or something of the sort. Uh, but... Uh, it's a complex situation that I'm barely remembering out of my skull. So, so uh, essentially, part of that is like accurate. Like. But the publisher of Rune Two that was, you know, using the developer uh, Human Head Studios to make the game uh, ended up putting up a lawsuit against Bethesda about this because essentially all the people that were in Human Head are now working for Bethesda. Mm. Like, I really wish I could remember the story correctly. Because I feel like I'm missing some of the details. Because it's actually some serious allega- allegations going on here again. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're welcome to, to dig a little bit in the next time you think of it while updating on it. Again. Yeah, I probably should have done a bit more research before bringing it up. But it was an interesting topic, considering just, uh, you know, the business end of uh, conspiracies and uh, uh, espionage. Corporate espionage, yeah. essentially. Ooh, it's such intrigue. Which sounds like fun. Well, no, I mean, it doesn't sound like fun. It's one of those things you would hope sounds like fun. Like well, it's fun for the on. people who get the money in the end, but it's probably yeah. not fun for all the people who spent, you know, years developing a game only to see it, you know, mothballed. Ugh, that's another I feel. still want the, I would love to see the original Prey 2 because it was an interesting, you know, divergence, continuation of the characters. Uh, yeah. Admittedly, I don't have a problem with the current Prey. It's just an awkward thing to call, you know, Bioshock in space, uh, Prey 2. <laughs> I didn't or enjoy not that game. Bioshock, it's like System Shock again. I didn't play the original System Shock, so I don't know the comparison. Eh, that's probably some unfair comparison because, as I understand, the System Shock is actually fairly complex in what you can do with the game. Like, mm-hmm. it's more on the line of most roguelikes in terms of utilizing the systems involved uh, compared to most of the Bioshocks, which have a much more restrained rule set and direct direction it's not that they're probably much more interesting than your average shooter it's just that they're not say complex as being able to 
utilize the physics engine to interesting things such as set yourself on fire and set your enemies on fire because you're immune <laughs> to fire. You know, things like weird things like that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. So I don't there's think not else. much else to say on it other yeah. than that it's really annoying and ultimately despicable yeah, because I think people... I don't think people want to play have ads run in their games because we've been dealing with this like ever since Battlefield twenty one forty two. Did that happen? Yeah, oh, it, it had billboards that ended up changing with various advertising. You know what? And even that, I well, I mean, that's the worst thing. Like, I think compared to this, I would almost give a pass to billboards. <laughs> it, it's one of those awkward things of where it's easy to complain about, you know, billboards in a video game having you know ads play. At intervals or they change on one hand you could say there's a certain immersive quality to see you know say walking past a dilapidated theater and see current year movies advertised on it but it's slightly awkward once you are playing a game that says you know it's 2130 and the world's destroyed and you're seeing an advert for a movie that came out in 2032 yeah, they're, they're, you would have to definitely do it in a very specific and creative way. Just slap it on. Well, I think at that point they wouldn't be a- actively advertising and probably just simply slap in a uh, parody move just for something else. <laughs> yeah, but, but still, this, but this unskippable ad thing. I think it just simply it's just sort of despicable. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know this with that fan base to react heavily. I, I well, the reason why they can do it is that they know people will play these games. That's the reason why they can char- easily state that we're charging $70 for the next generation. They're trying to soften the blow by stating, well, if you purchase the current version on your current consoles, you'll get the next one, like, for free? Like, some of them are doing that, but I think some of them aren't. Yeah, then you mean the next-gen upgrades? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, one of the games that I've seen that's doing that is Control, mm-hmm. where it's like, if you buy a digital copy on PS4 right now, they are stating that the digital copy on PS5 will be just immediately available for download. Uh, actually, that's Once a good question. Considering that Control was re- like a almost a year ago. Oh, uh, yeah, almost. It's, uh, a year it's ago. not all versions of Control. If you bought the original, you don't get next gen upgrade. Only Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Well, you only uh, you only have uh, it's the digital like package one mm-hmm. that's like only available on. Which is the only thing that that's offered on PS4. You can buy the upgrade, and it, I think you do get that if you buy the upgrade. If you buy, well, the they probably version. would have to do that on the Steam uh, Epic Store versions. Yeah, like none of this has to do with the PC versions. The PC versions are their own thing. This is really just the yeah. yeah. But they can still charge you. I mean, there is a technical difference in say the various uh, upgrade patches to some of the games over the yeah yeah. Like, but that's it's just to... it's one of those things of like I. The first game that I noticed it was for was for Control, which is why I'm using it as an example. Borderlands because... has been touting that, but I think their their next gen version is a. I don't recall if it's auto, an automatic upgrade. Well, it would be appreciated if it's just a quickie DLC thing that can purchase mm. for five dollars. Which, of course, that would be pro consumer, which is unlikely. I can tell you right now that the Spider-Man game is not doing that. They, yeah, Miles Morales is coming out an expanded version of that game. Everything about that on the PS5 is not going to. There is no easy path to, to rebuy it. There isn't, as far as we know, there isn't just some DLC patch you can buy for the original game. Well, concerning some of the PS5. modifications that they into that game, such as change the Peter Parker model, mm-hmm. bizarre. 
Do you think like, it, yeah. it's it's enough of a change that it justifies a brand new purchase? No, the fact that it's happening at all. Oh, oh, I mean, if you're talking about just the face change thing, I actually don't mind thinking. Well, you could say I mean, that it makes no difference, but it's just a bizarre thing to change after the fact. It's like yeah, suddenly deciding to state that oh well, we're going to take away Jay Joman or Jameson's little Hitler mustache because people will be offended by it. It's like why? Well, I mean, why case, are you changing the, it their, now? It's like. The, they said they changed it because they wanted the the visual person that they used to for her Yuri Lowenthal's voice to match up better. So that's their that was their justification that this new face matches up better with Yuri Lowenthal. Okay, I just I mean, think that's very a poor because uh, people are here to see Peter Parker, and therefore everything should be working towards making us believe that what we're seeing on screen is Peter Parker, regardless of whether it's Yuri Lowenthal's voice or things like that so then i mean i understand why would they bother to make that change then well i do understand that like the original model was based off of the uh character actor that was doing peter parker's uh mocap stuff yeah 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 so there is some like consideration going on there if maybe there was some reason that they decided that they shouldn't be using his visual uh model going forward or something like that yeah, but I, I mean, didn't he, hear any controversy regarding him per se. So, oh well, well, yeah. There's no to the actor, the the mocap actor himself. That he seemed like he gave it his blessing. That was it. Then not there's anything against him personal. And then, yeah, the only official, the official thing from the company was that we just wanted a, a mocap actor that better fit with Yuri Lowenthal. Okay. Like even yeah. Yuri Lowenthal made a joke about it, and he's like, "Oh, damn, my bone structure." Like that's his. That was his response to it. Oh. I mean, that's what they're saying officially there are some people who believe that they did it because the new the new actor looks a lot more like uh the mcu actor tom holland ah. so they're thinking they did ah. it on purpose to which i think is a little i don't know like i don't know how i feel about it i can see that but it's, that's that sounds way too i don't cynical, know but the it's problem not is it's also dealing with the fact that you know uh uh this game has spider-man not as a uh, the young Spider-Man that you have in the current version of the CU with mm-hmm. uh, Tom Holland being more of a traditional, what most people would call the traditional Spider-Man, which is a teenager, where Spider-Man was initially introduced as, uh, versus what most people who probably grew up with in the 90s and such, based off of, say, the old uh, television show, the cartoon that started up in the mid-90s, or some of the other comic books at that time which presented him more as a uh almost approaching 30s old spider-man who was married to mary jane yeah uh, this new mocap actor does definitely looks aged up a little a little more seasoned than the other one are you sure it's not reversed i would say uh, admittedly it's been a while since i've seen the picture but it's not that important it's just it feels like an arbitrary change to spend time and effort on. But then that's, the, that's the thing. Like, why why go through this ar- arbitrary change that they didn't have some reason they felt for it? Which, if if they had a real reason, then you have to go with what they're saying. We just think this mocap actor fits better with your Lowenthal. Or if you're cynical, mm-hmm. you go with that they wanted someone who looks a little more like Tom Holland. Which I don't... I don't think it looks that much like Tom Holland. Well, it's like they do do that in the comic book sometimes. Like, uh, when you go... Before uh, 2007 or 2008, whenever Iron Man came out, uh, uh, I'm now trying to remember who, what Iron Man's uh, original uh, nom de pleure is. Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Thank you. Uh, Tony Stark didn't necessarily look like uh, 
the actor. Uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Thank you. But once you got past that, you ended up seeing a lot of, of the characters in the comics naturally start adapting visual impression of the MCU actor and such. So then why wouldn't so, you just admit that? Well, it's a certain amount of marketing push, you could say, to make it more accessible in cross-promotion way. That people can say, oh, that's Tony Stark, because their only understanding of Tony Stark, it comes from the movies and things like that. I'm I mean, like, you... why, wouldn't, why wouldn't the Spider-Man, why wouldn't Insomniac admit that if they're really trying? Why? Yeah, it, it just sort of feels, you know, an odd thing to change, ultimately. Yeah. But it's also relatively unimportant because uh, I guess yeah. people could still play the original. It's not like they're making a digital update that says oh we're changing the files of the uh playstation 4 version to this new face it's just sort yeah. of the playstation 5 version so yeah i don't think anyone's i don't think this can stop many people from buying the game they're, they're not to mention people. if they have it on the steam version they could probably just simply you know take the files from the original release and apply them to the update <laughs> as far That's as i true. know yeah as far as i know it, the spider-man game is not going to be released on steam unlike what sony has been trying to do I mean, they might maybe years later. I mean, they probably want to. Well, if they haven't released it on a computer yet, PC, uh, that still doesn't stop uh, people from ripping the files from the PS4 version and then, you know, doing some basic uh, getting ready uh, for set flips (laughs) and just simply putting it onto the PC version. If it's not available there, it's not all that hard. But as I said before, it's not that because it's not like they're changing the game or like changing something like the storylines or, you know, that. We'll see. I mean, I would, I think if and when that, when it does come, we'll probably see somebody mod it to make it go. Definitively. (laughs) Either that or Thomas the Tank Engine. (laughs) Why not both? Okay. So, all right. So the last thing we can do Twitch stuff. Oh, you're not going to talk about the uh, new DLC for the Outer Worlds? Yeah, but I think we're running out of time. So I okay. think Twitch is the last thing I have time for. We'll have to do a game review next week again. Uh, we'll okay. be talking about the Outer Worlds Peril on Gorgon. We finished last night. I'll oh, be able to speak to it. Okay. So for, for Twitch, um, the first thing worth bringing up is the DMCA stuff they've, they've been doing the last few days, which... Actually, hasn't it been in the last couple of weeks? I thought it was just this... I only heard it reported this week. If it happened before, I didn't... I feel like it only happened this... Sorry, it may have accelerated this week. Like, I've heard rumblings about it a couple of weeks ago. Okay. But... I don't know. I, I think it was just simply that they had the information that they Twitch was going to do this, and they were going, well, this is going to be a bit of a problem. Like, how can we go through, you know, years worth of archives of daily streaming uh, and things like that to yeah. edit out all this offending music? And hence the, the criticism. So I guess just to review real quick. Yeah. The thing is, is that the, in the recent times, Twitch has put out a bunch of takedowns for videos that have music in uh, copyrighted music, I guess, succumbing to the pressure from the music industry to kind of put the kibosh on it. So yeah. what's been happening recently is that people have been getting notices about, hey, your video's been taken down. That's it. No chance for recourse, no chance for review, just your video's taken down, it's gone. That, too bad. Oh, and maybe you, and we think you might also have other videos that violate the rules. Please take them down or you'll be. <laughs> uh... So first things first, we're safe. I didn't get, I didn't see any Twitch takedowns on our, on our, uh, our email, but I did see YouTube takedowns. Well, fuck that. But that's another story for another day, I think. As far as the Twitch side goes, well, I guess the idea is that music industry wants you to stop using their music in, in your streams. It's not yours. Stop using it. Music industry is getting a little uppity because of the fact that, once again, people are listening to various forms and quotations not painful. So music industry wants their damn money again. 
which I, at this point, I, as far as that strict wording goes, okay, music industry, you're probably right. Fine. We shouldn't be using your music. No biggie. Fine. You know, it's only free advertising, but what do you want? Um, well, they don't see it as free advertising. Yeah. They see it as it should be paid advertising. Exactly. You should pay us to use this music. And once again, like 70% of it goes to... 70%? Uh, We're talking like 95%. Yeah, the artists barely see any of that, I'm sad to say. The, the real rub, I think, in this story, other than we can probably talk about the music industry in a little bit too, the rub is... That Twitch just, you know, flat out, like, your your video violates this, so we're taking it down. Like, again, no no room for, like, objection, review, you know, the ability to save your video. Like, these videos are gone now for a lot of these. If they didn't have it yeah. stored somewhere else offline, they just lost it. And there's no, nothing that can be done about it. Because Twitch is just unwilling to. I think that the argument is that they're so unwilling to fight or put up with what the industry can do to them. They well, did let's this face quick, it, quick the music industry put it on us. could easily cause problems for Amazon, which owns Twitch, such as being able yeah. to pull out all of their labels from Amazon stores, cause problems with whether or not they're allowed to sell digital or to revoke all their previous keys through purchase through Amazon. Like, think how who's going to blame who if suddenly their music library just suddenly stops working because of the because uh the various labels and such band together and state that you're no longer allowed to use their music and property through amazon therefore amazon has to disable your keys like people are going to blame amazon first i think you're you're right about that but it doesn't justify the scorched earth policy twitch put on here it may not Uh, it's it's sort of been the problem ever since the internet has been the thing of just they don't want to deal with the lawsuit of which could probably reach billions of dollars like in the case of youtube for us i mean it's not really twitch but it's similar we, we have emails from youtube telling us that hey your video which was by the way for the final fantasy streaming we did a few weeks ago was taken down because against copyrighted material the fuck it's the video game so like we didn't do anything else we didn't play music on our own we didn't do anything that wasn't yeah. coming from the game other than my own fucking face it was my but... face and then the video game but the problem is that somebody has copyright to that music. Oh, yeah. In rejoinder about this. Did you hear that bit of news? What? Uh, one of the Stadia developers. Oh, I did hear about this. I was going to And stated that uh, people should be paying them. Streamers should okay. be paying them for playing games on Stadia. Put that in a box and put it aside. We'll come back to it in a second. Okay. Put that in a box. Um, but yeah, so what I'm saying is that Twitch as a platform should... We're the ones fucking making its money. Maybe maybe put some kid gloves when it comes to this stuff. I mean, I like think for you're mistaken for... about who's money. Uh, Twitch makes money because people are streaming. Twitch makes money because advertisers give them money to which advertise they wouldn't, on Twitch. Which they wouldn't put advertisements if there was no one watching and who's and bringing in the viewers. Yeah, but yeah. The, I think there's a point where they casually expect that there are going to be because they're such a name brand recognition. Well, that's stupid. That's flat out stupid because all I'm saying is is that I think you're misunderstanding who the customer base is at a certain point in these corporations eyes. I think Twitch is misunderstanding. And this is why people are outraged. I think I I think very few people are going to have a problem with the fact that, okay, if I use music, I shouldn't have. Okay, I'm sorry about it. But maybe give me a chance to fix the video instead of utterly deleting it. Maybe like in our Mm -hmm. case, give us information on what it was that went wrong. I know in a four hour video, something in that video got got it marked i have no idea what it is there's no information on when where and what it is just that yeah it did that is and it's no longer the old method 
which as I understood it, uh, it used to just simply blank out whenever the offending copyright music was playing. Yeah. Like, and now it's just sort of, we'll just delete the whole thing. Whole hog. So, so they put the, all the onus on the streamer. The, the platform is, is doing as, very, as little as it can. So again, justifiably, so it doesn't tick off the music industry. But they're a big fucking company. They can do a little more to engage us about this. They're not. That's I think that is the real rub. Which now going to what you were saying, now we can open that, that box. Yeah. The re- the reality is that it wasn't actually a Stadia exec. It was a it was a subsidy. A well, subsidy I said Stadia developer. developer. Like, yeah, like I forget whether it was like a game developer that was working closely to Stadia, or say somebody who was working on Stadia as a developer or something of that sort. Yeah, the original reporting was that it was an, an ex- a Stadia executive director. That's what the original report was. I think now it's been corrected that no, it wasn't a Stadia creative director. It was a Stadia offshoot creative mm-hmm. person, not someone from yeah, actual But somebody subcontracted out. Yeah, but to your to what you were saying, what the guy was was dared to say was that maybe people should pay them to use the video game as if they should be licensed to the video game. Well, it's the idea that these streamers are making so much money off of the video game. Shouldn't they be paying more, essentially, as taxes for the video game for loss of sales or other such things? Where do you all stand with it? Eh, I think it's, a, unfortunately, a slippery slope if we ended up allowing that behavior to start up because, well... Mm-hmm. It essentially just simply further encourages the sort of DMCA culture mm-hmm. of where these corporations can just wander in and say, well, you don't have the rights to that. And you would probably have to have a business to subcontract out to give you the rights to do these things without uh, getting problems of, say, hey, I wanted to just do a little let's play of this game. And like, no, you cannot can't because you don't have the protections of a mighty corporation behind you or something of the sort. And just makes you know the entire environment uh, so corporate, essentially. I don't, I don't like it one bit. Though I guess from the president, precedent by the music industry. It's well, half of that is also protecting their copyright on themselves. Yeah. And unfortunately, they do have to enforce it. Otherwise, they make the copyright in question, which is you know just as bad for the artist as it is the label. Mm-hmm. Except, I would say. For some of these artists, they would almost rather that the corporation loses their copyright and their music essentially becomes, uh, uh, I forget the term. Um, Um, God, you're right. (laughs) It's not open source. It's It's, um, uh, public domain. Public domain. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. But uh, in some cases, I think the artists would prefer to be in public domain because at least then they wouldn't see the ridiculous amount of millions that they could have been making off of it uh, go to a corporation that just simply sits on it. It's like, oh, you're part of our record label. Uh, here's some of your dividends. I only got like $500. Oh, yeah, yeah, that that's your end of it. Why, why are you sitting on like $200 million? Nothing. Well, because your contract stated that you were perfectly fine with having, you know, most of the money paid out to you in full at the beginning of your contract, but essentially we're the ones that will be managing all further contracts at this point, and we need our side of the cat. Oh, Tom, do you work for for an industry? That sounded too good. Uh, no, but <laughs> you have to understand the lingo. And the idea is, is that uh, I think this came up a couple of weeks ago when uh, who was it? Was it uh, Drake? Yeah, I or think it might have been Drake, who like ended up going on a furious Twitter tirade of him talking about how important it is to own music. Oh I no, it might not this. have been Drake. It might have been Kanye. 
Uh, it probably was Kanye because that he sounds started like Kanye would say, yeah, I didn't, I don't oh. remember hearing about it. That that's because of the fact that Kanye actually owns the production and studio. Well, he of... owns the actual masters, the important thing, and because that allows him to license it out as he pleases. He's the principal holder of his tracks uh, or his uh, records, essentially. I know, I know Taylor Swift was. Happy. Yeah, and uh, he. Ju- I think somebody pointed out the how the music industry works. In that is that they offer a huge sum of money front up. Like they'll tell an artist, here's like a hundred million dollars, which is a ridiculous amount of money for somebody who's probably only making $30,000 a year at some dead end job, or maybe like uh, $70,000 through contracts and gigs. It sounds like you've made it, you've done it. But then they start putting on writers on that contract stating that they need to produce so much music time. You need to, Deliver it at these dates. You need to do this. You need to do that. You these need are things sure that they that can life. then penalize you and essentially uh, put you into debt that you have to work out of with the and, corporation in question. And like, if you're really successful, basically some of the contract stuff that I've seen is like, oh, you need to also have this amount of people working on an album at a time, and it's like, oh, you can't have these. Uh, lyricists because they're not with our record label, so you need to get rid of them and then get our own uh, lyricists to work on any of your future songs because they're contracts and uh, other corporate uh, shenanigans. Yeah. It's it's a very nasty uh, business. This is why I I quit my career as a pop star. Yeah, because you had such a natural singing. Yeah, but but you're right. The industry was just way too too wild for me. Anyway, uh, I think we've kind of got way off topic. Well, I mean, this is... It's it's tangential. But uh, as for the entire DMC thing with Twitch, it's the DMC stuff all over again with YouTube with other places it's just the same old story it's a big old club just to pound other people and shake down you know websites and naturally instead of you know the website standing up for the people and users of that website they just simply transfer it down transfer all the shit they got downhill to their user base <sighs> so yeah hearts got to everybody hopefully i mean i don't know what to hope for yeah i guess you would hope kind of helps out more or what yeah it's hard to know what the i mean the last thing i wanted to bring up i say this not to get political curiosity of the week with twitch stream that u.s representative alexandria ocasio-cortez did broke a mm-hmm. bunch of records for twitch it well, was did it yeah yeah i think it i think it was second for uh for concurrent viewing its peak i think second a fortnight it was second only to a fortnight so it drew in a crowd it was as far as what what probably matters to Twitch, it was successful. Like I know there's a lot of people talking about I wonder if this is a new thing for politics, is reach out and maybe uh, like, as I, I see it, it's a just a store of kissing babies thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean I could equate it to the whole uh the branch of the military having their own dedicated Twitch teams. <laughs> yeah. Which that's it's actually a thing and those are actually considered a um trying to find the best way to describe it. Outreach program. Uh, a recruiting program. Mm-hmm. In in the fact that like the, they're basically reach uh, trying to get people that a are of the digital age where it's like I'll watch stream so they basically set up Twitch channels and they get enough people to watch it. Admittedly, yeah. there's just as many. Um, well, let's face it, uh, uh, when 
when StarCraft was its height, the uh, military in Korea had its own StarCraft team. Yeah. Like, and because uh, military service is uh, mandatory in Korea, uh, a lot of the pros technically uh, were there at one point or another sometimes. Yeah, I don't think we've talked much about the, the military stuff because they've been on the news a few times over the last few. I don't know if we've brought mm-hmm. it up on here. Maybe one day, one day, or an FRP. Yeah. But yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a curious thing that happened over the week. Like again, I feel like a lot of like news agencies and blogs were like, "I wonder if this is a new trend." I don't know. I think it was just. I AOC think it's an experiment. Is... It's also a question of whether or not it's actually going to be effective in terms of outreach or mm-hmm. communication or relatability. Because obviously, yeah. talking about politics, it especially for something like this, it could be very similar to just simply you know attending a charity event. Uh, showing yeah. up in an activistic uh, location or something like that. But then again, it could also come off as very cringy because what happens when, say, a 60-year-old person shows up at, say, Coachella to talk about <laughs> politics before the band? Yeah. That may just sort of come off as a bit odd. But then again, you may have other things such as, say, if Bernie Sanders did that and talked about, you know, is concepts of where America could go and things like that. I think that would be the appropriate audience that would be willing to listen to him. Mm-hmm. So, you know he's a Twitch channel, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of other people and yeah. such. Like, uh, I, I'm trying to remember uh, Libertarian. Uh, not Rand Paul. Or is it Rand Paul? No, no, no. Rand Paul different. Ron Paul? No. Paul yeah, Ryan? Rand Paul is the son no. and Ron Paul is his dad, I think. Okay, okay. Because they're both in politics. It's just that Ron Paul is far better known, uh, runs during 2008, 2012. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I think it's, of course, a natural uh, evolution, getting your name out there, uh, probably attaching yourself to a uh, populace, essentially, simply because so many people are there. Uh, but it could also be very bad because what happens if people ask a really awkward question or, you know... You know, DDoS is the site during that or something of the sort. I mean, it could happen. I I didn't watch it very long myself. I think I tuned in for a few minutes to see what was going on. I mean, the Mm. chat was definitely all over the place, but I feel like that's kind of normal for Twitch. Well, (laughs) if it's breaking the sites for concurrent viewership, you probably have chat going at like almost insane speeds. I think for the most part, chat was ignored. Or if there's another way, it would have to be at that speed. Like even the super chats. Even if they put like a $5 limit on producing a super chat, it would still probably be like nuts if it no. was, you know, that uh, highly streamed of an event. Exactly. So, so, I, so I think it's just that for at least in that case, it just seemed like they were they were going to play among us. And then that was it. They're just going to react and play like normal and, and speak into the void. I don't I didn't catch them interacting with the chat, if at all. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway. <laughs> so that's all the time we have. I'll get into the Outer Worlds next week. Um Everybody do the thing. Like and subscribe. Subscribe. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, and subscribe to all the things. Uh, actually, just a quick question. Uh, sure. When is uh, Cyberpunk 2077 coming out? 19th. Okay, so we got one month until Cyberpunk supposedly can finally be properly reviewed and talked about. I'm hoping we can stream stream it, too. Uh, we'll see how far we get with, uh, with Ghost of Sh- um, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if you're doing stuff on the a bunch of the side questing off stream, we probably can get through it relatively quickly. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We get, I think it depends. Depending on how far we get. To, if we save the uncle today, 
I think <laughs> I think that'll be a good sign. <laughs> or if we make an attempt at saving the uncle, that would be a good sign. You yeah. mean uh, at least completing the first island? Yeah, because it, because it also depends on how expansive those two other islands and, yeah. how, and how much done, how much I can actually get done off stream. Anyway, we'll find that out today. Okay, everybody. Okay. We will sign off. In the future, in the past, because we're recording now, we're about to hello too soon. If you're in the past, I don't know. Goodbye, everybody. This has been a presentation of Front Row Geeks. Adios.